0: Well, the political controversy of the day seems to be concerning uh, the executive order restricting certain refugee and immigration and travel and what have you. Um, We're going to stay away from the politics of, of that executive order, but it has had an impact on the American Islamic community and uh we need to find out a little bit more about that. So I've invited my my good friend and colleague attorney Saad Swaylam, who is an attorney with the Council on American Islamic Relations out of their uh Northern California office uh to join me here on Freedom's Ring. Saad, uh, welcome to Freedom's Ring.
1: Thank you, Alan. Thank you for having me. A pleasure.
0: So, uh you know, CARE is an organization, of course, it works on uh, issues impacting the freedoms of, of Muslim Americans. How, uh, I mean, there has been in recent years uh, a certain amount of harassment, persecution, violence against mosques, against Muslim Americans. Uh, has the executive order, um, you know, have you seen a spike in recent months?
1: Uh, definitely, you know, there's there really been seeing spikes um, in in crimes and attacks towards the Muslim community. You know, just here in Sacramento um, alone, we we saw an attack on the Islamic Center of Davis um, a few weeks ago, where someone smashed the windows and um, left bacon all over the the door handles. Uh, she was at, the the suspect was actually just arrested um, recently. Uh, we also saw another case in Roseville. Um, uh, another part of Sacramento where um, uh, an Islamic center was also vandalized with vulgar um, graffiti written all over its walls. Um, so, you know, yeah, there's definitely, unfortunately, been um, an uptick in, in, in hate incidents uh, against our community.
0: You know, we think of California as a blue state, as a state where you would expect that people would be, uh, you know, would behave better. Mm-hmm. Um, or be you know more more accustomed you know more accepting of religious diversity, but you know that's one reason I wanted to have you on the show. You know these are not incidents uh, that are exclusive to red states or the Bible Belt or you know places where you know if
1: yeah no you're absolutely right. I mean I think I think you know a lot of times we celebrate California's diversity and we see. You know, there's so many different people from so many different backgrounds, um, but unfortunately, these types of cases have not been limited to you know certain rural areas of the nation or anything like that. We know we're seeing it right hand Sacramento. We've seen it in, in, in Southern California and Northern California. Um, we've it's just uh, it just seems like a lot of people um, who have hate, hateful views have been emboldened and and they they are acting out.
0: And and do you see this um, nationally? Uh, is it more so now than it has been in recent years?
1: Definitely, honestly, you know, within really since 2015, we've seen we've seen a, a consistent uptick. Um, it's actually our numbers are actually showing that it's worse now than it was in the immediate aftermath of, of 9/11. Um, so it's, it's very troubling.
0: So how how much of it is attacks on property such as mosques versus attacks on individuals?
1: Honestly, it really varies. Sadly, we've seen quite a bit of both. Um, We've we've seen, um, you know, mosques attacked in different ways, whether it's vandalism, graffiti. Uh, We've seen actual letters. We've had letters that were sent to really a bunch of mosques around the country, including I think up to seven in California alone, um, threatening and and saying Muslims don't belong here and whatnot. Um, But then we've also seen a great uptick in in personal attacks as well, and, and that goes. Not just towards you know people, adults, and we've also seen it in schools. Um, we've seen a huge increase in school bullying of Muslim students, um, and and it's just unfortunately that's the current uh, rhetoric, rhetoric, and and it's feeding a, a certain climate where this is becoming acceptable and normalized.
0: The idea that violence against people of any particular religion would be normalized is is a very troubling one. Um, let me back up a step, and I don't know if if you're the right person to ask this question to. But, you know, I don't think Americans have a very good sense of the Muslim American community. And so, you know, help me if you can. Um, For starters, what percentage of American Muslims are born and raised in the United States and are American citizens?
1: You know, I honestly don't know the the percentage of Muslims that were born here. Um, You know, I do know, I believe there's at this point about 7 million Muslim Americans uh, who are here. You know, a a lot of us now are really, we're we're getting to second generation, third generation Muslims. So a lot of us are, you know, born and raised here like myself. Um, But unfortunately, I'm sorry, I don't have the exact numbers for you.
0: And so in terms of the kinds of calls that your organization gets are calls from students? the, the largest number, or, or what, what's the largest number of uh, uh, requests for help or reports of, of problems?
1: To be totally honest with you, the, the, a majority of our calls are actually probably involving um, FBI, where, you know, the FBI surveils the Muslim community pretty, pretty pervasively. Um, so that's probably the, the most calls we get. We do get a lot of calls from parents concerned with uh, students, students or students being bullied, kids being bullied in school. Um, but honestly, it really varies. I mean, we get a lot of calls for accommodations. We get a lot of calls for workplace harassment. It's, it's just, I can't. If I, if I had to really point my finger at one, I'd say right now, it's definitely um, we're seeing a, a huge increase in just in, in, in FBI cases, but also really um, just hate incidents as well. And that's, that includes people at the grocery store, people you know out to dinner, people just walking down the street, even people driving at stoplights. We've seen we've had we've had a case where. Um, two, I believe, uh, Afghan, uh, Americans were, Muslim Americans, you know, were at a red light and someone started throwing a shoe at their car because, and beyond, telling them to go back to their country, so. Uh, it, it's it's there's no I can't really unfortunately I can't tell you you know really with great specificity I know, what what are what we see most but quite a bit of everything right now.
0: Well, I, I'm interested in the in the situation with FBI surveillance. So, how does somebody know that the FBI is surveilling the mosque?
1: Um, so. We we don't, honestly, with, with the mosque, there's not much we can say about that, but I was more speaking of actual Muslims. I mean, we've FBI agents showing up at their door, asking them questions and things like that.
0: Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. And I know you told me that that happened a lot just before the election.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, we did. We actually, that weekend before the election, it was really nationwide, we saw the huge... Um, Uptick and, and uh, FBI agents showing up at, at Muslim 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 Americans' doors and asking them, you know, some certain questions. Which, know, yeah, I guess you know they're doing their job, but you know, a lot of uh, the vast majority of Muslim Americans are just you know law-abiding citizens who love their country, and and uh, it, it just seemed a little odd.
0: But even since the election, there, um, you're saying there's been a lot of FBI surveillance of of just individual Muslims.
1: Yeah, we we do get a lot of calls with people saying, "Hey, the FBI came you know at my door. They want to talk. They want to you know go get coffee or something." And you know we we just tend to reach out to FBI agents ourselves and and sort of things out.
0: So is it lawful for the FBI to to reach out to individual Muslims if there's no probable cause of a crime? I mean, what what is this about? Would does the FBI tell you what they're doing?
1: Yes, you know it's you know law enforcement is able to you know enter consensual encounters with with um with citizens, so you know they don't they you know they'll show up and politely ask um you know if they can have a conversation or or you know have some coffee maybe lunch even <laughs> but uh yeah i mean there's nothing i'm not i'm not trying to make any allegations of you know anything unlawful but there's definitely um i would say a pervasive uh, amount of um uh, targeting of the muslim
0: community well i you know as i've spoken in churches i've asked folks how they would feel if the fbi were you know if, if the visitor to church that day turned out to be an fbi informant and was taking names and notes on you know who was there and what they were saying and what their license plates were mm-hmm. um and of course you know it's it it's not a common experience for American churches, mm-hmm. although it did happen during uh, the sanctuary movement of the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I, I gather it's a more common experience for mosques in the post 9-11 era.
1: Yeah. And, you know, for us, our stance has always been that, hey, whenever there's legitimate investigations and, and purposes like that, you know, we're all for it. We understand, you know, and we support them in those cases whenever there's legitimate suspicion and, 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 you know, an investigation needs to be done, you know, we're definitely behind that and we support that. I think our issue is more of um, when there isn't really very much suspicion at all, and it's more of, you know, it, it appears that somebody might be targeted just because of where where their, you know, parents came from or where their family came from or, you know, because of their religious beliefs specifically. So that's, that's when it becomes a problem. Uh, unfortunately, right now... Um, you know, it does seem like it's it's the Muslim community's turn to to be the the target of of uh, the surveillance.
0: So you know, I know you're a lawyer and not a theologian, but um, I I, I guess you know I want to have you try to address what I think is a misconception for uh that that too many American Christians have, mm-hmm. and I see this you know I see this in comments on my Facebook page, um, where you know people insist. Uh, that Islam is not a religion of peace, that if you're going to be a true believer, that Islam is at its core violent and triumphalistic, that, you know, their goal is to take over the world. Mm -hmm. That essentially that, you know, that, (laughs) that the values of ISIS represent, you know, truly do represent, um, the, the religion as a whole. Uh, in fact, I had one church member after I preached a sermon about overcoming religious intolerance. Tell me that that you know uh, all true Muslims, you know, would uh, you know essentially align themselves with with ISIS.
1: Oh goodness. Yeah, so you know that's it's interesting somebody would say that. I mean, so I mean, I, I think people are aware there's over a, over a billion Muslims in the world. So if that were the case, you know, if ISIS had a billion members, that'd be extremely frightening and scary. <laughs> um, but you know, no, you know, you're you're absolutely right. Islam, you know, is a religion of peace. We, as someone who's born and raised as a Muslim American, I can tell you, you know, I've been in mosques my entire life, and that's that's all we're taught. You know, is peace. And what people need to realize is, you know, Islam is a lot. Like, more like Christianity and Judaism than, than it is different. Um, you know, the three Abrahamic faiths, and they have a lot in common. And what you can do in any of these three religions is you can, you can go in and try to take certain scripture or certain quotes and take them out of context, really in any of the three faiths, and, and, and try to manipulate it, to try to paint you know a darker picture um, of the religion. And unfortunately, groups like ISIS you know, very misguided. They try to do that. Um, but you have to understand that, you know, ISIS is made up of maybe a few thousand uh, individuals. And like I said, there's over a billion Muslims. So it's a very, very small portion of the actual Muslim world who who, who would ever, you know, subscribe to, to, to ISIS's views. Um, but no, just like you said, you know, we love Jesus, just like Christians love Jesus. He's a prophet in, in our religion as well. There's, there's a lot more similarities than there are differences. And really Islam just like Christianity and Judaism really is just a religion of, of peace and love um, and you know that's that's also historical I mean you can go back and look at really and before the, the Middle East its current state you know if you go back in history and you look at Muslim rule and you'll see that a lot of times religious minorities were actually treated very very fairly and very well under Muslim rule um, in, in the court throughout the course of history um, right now you know currently there's a lot of political um, issues in the Middle East that might be, you know, creating these certain groups and, and, and giving them more of a, a voice than they deserve, but, you know, it's definitely not, like you said, something that, that, that most Muslims would ever ever even consider to be part of Islam. Um, Assad,
0: I wish we had more time for this discussion, but I appreciate your being with us on Freedom's Ring. We're out of time. Our guest today, my friend and colleague Saad Swalim from the Council on American Islamic Relations. And as we close, we want to remind our listeners here at Freedom's Ring, we don't just talk about religious freedom. We offer help to those suffering religious discrimination. You can check out our legal resources page at churchstate.org, churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Reinach. Until next week, let freedom ring.